Hey guys, welcome to Biomass episode 117. Uh, I want to thank you all for either joining us on the stream or on the recording. Uh, we got our usual guests here. It's uh, just just the hosts again, and then Livy, of course. But uh, uh, thanks to you for joining us, and we'll get started here with some introductions. So let's start at the top of the list with Sarizel. Hi, I'm Sarizel. I'm a co-host here on the show and editor on the blog that we never post to anymore. Um, we will someday. It'll happen. Um, and uh, a all-around um, regular video game playing sci-fi watching nerd. All right, and Bait. Hey everybody, I'm Bait. Uh, I, I, I don't do much. He he used to be like the the top top writer for the blog, and then we all kind of got lame oh, yeah, about sorry, it. And but, then, uh, like n- nothing happened. He, he, yeah. Well, yeah. Various things happen, like you know the the source game that this podcast started being based off of died. That that didn't help us, so we've been struggling <laughs> to segue. But hey, people apparently still actually download this because we have bandwidth usage, which is good. And unless I still have to pay for it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Unless you're like just downloading it yourself to you know keep <laughs> us all going. He's got like 600 copies of the same podcast recording every week on his computer. Maybe I just inflate the numbers when I, before I send them to you. It's not like you can see my, that's, my that's bandwidth console. That's, that's true. That's true. You haven't actually showed us the, the source. So for the three of you out there, um, <laughs> thanks for keeping Zell's delusion alive. Uh, all right, Livy, go ahead. Uh, yes, I'm Livy, and I do the video game things. It's the things. The and things. Uh, I'm Pookie Draven, <laughs> co-host here on the show. I help write for the blog when we actually do it, and I'm not swamped from work and being generally exhausted. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we do media things for, for Biomass and, and furthering the Biomass empire in uh, Jay's stead while he's out and about doing his thing. So uh, let's get started. I know we've got a, a actually pretty decent lineup here, but uh, one thing that I'm pretty interested in hearing about is uh, I haven't seen it yet, and I don't know if Bate has, but I know Libby hasn't, um, but Zell went and saw the new Suicide Squad movie, and I was hoping he could give us a bit of a uh, spoiler-free review slash analysis to give his thoughts on that. So I'm going to hand this over to Zell and uh, tell us about the anti-hero drama. All right, so um, yeah, I I know that a lot of the re- the reviews have said it's kind of um, disjointed, a little mixed tone because the the long story short thing was they were making this movie and then Batman v Superman came out and everybody hated it and they're like, oh, this isn't working. Um, we need to fix this. So they did a whole bunch of reshoots to make the movie more fun with air quotes and then um, patch those all in there. And I guess there was actually a there. This is one of those movies where the, there was very specifically like right up until the end. The director had his cut version, and uh, Warner Brothers had their version of the movie cut, and then they went with the, the studio version, the Warner Brothers cut. So, you know, depending, I'm sure we'll see a director's cut thing someday. But um, I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I see where some people suggest, you know, where this notion that it got a little mixed tone came out. But given that like half the characters in this movie are literally like psychopaths. I think a little disjointed of a presentation is okay. I think it, it kind of fits. Um, the uh, the big thing is for me at least is from this whole from this whole notion of creating a connected universe. I think this is the first one where I felt like it wasn't forced. Um, th- they weren't overly thick on the connection between the other movies, but they were there. Um, uh, Batflack appears in it uh, both early in the movie um, as part of a, you know, character intro, as well as uh, in the after credit scene. The after credit scene is fantastic. It's actually um, really, uh, honestly, it's a classic right out of the old um, 
Batman animated uh, cartoons and everything. Um, really, really well done. Um, and uh, the Joker, I'm because everybody. I mean, I mean, that's the biggest question I think for most people is is how Jared Leto does the Joker, and I I do think he's going to end up in the bottom of the barrel when you list out when you rank your Jokers in history. Um, he's okay. He's all right. Um, but uh, you know, there's there's you can usually characterize like. Jack Nicholson's, I think, is more of a gangster, and and obviously Heath Ledger's is is just like a straight up anarchist. He wants chaos. Um, I I would almost buy it if you told me that the presentation of the Joker in this movie is like from Harley Quinn's deranged view, because he comes off more than anything else as a romantic in this movie, um, which is really weird, especially since you know in any previous portrayal their relationship is downright abusive. Um, so that, that was really odd. And I, I kind of wonder if that, that's almost tainted by the fact that this movie more stars Harley over, uh, the Joker. Um, but, uh, Harley of course did steal the show, any scene she was in. Um, she was fantastic throughout the whole movie. Uh, Will Smith clearly relearned how to act for, um, for this movie. Um, Deadshot is, is well portrayed. Um, it's, uh, his his acting is really good in this movie as well, and I think that uh, it's a very distinct portrayal compared to say the um, the Arrow series version of him. Um, it's a little unfortunate to me. Is actually one of the other little history tidbits. Is I, I guess a lot of the the DC TV shows were forced to kill off characters um, pre before this movie started. You know, really building up, so they killed off a um, a character on Gotham that was looking like he might be the Joker, and then they killed off the whole like the whole cast of Suicide Squad was had they literally had the Suicide Squad in several episodes of Arrow, um, and they pretty much killed them all off. Um, I would say that these are very, definitely a very distinct portrayal. I definitely liked uh, Amanda Waller better in this movie than in the TV series. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was good. There were there were moments of it, without saying too much, there are moments of it that feel a little bit like classic Ghostbusters almost, which was a bit odd. It, it, it felt very strange in the movie. I'm like, but that's it, that was a minor issue. Um, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it was the the best DC movie I've seen since The Dark Knight. Well, that's, that's good to hear. I, I mean, I like I said, I was planning on seeing it regardless, just because the, the the topic you know seemed interesting to me. But I, I know there was some concerns, uh, you know, re- regarding kind of the disjointedness of the of the plot or the scenes at the very least, and you know how that was going to actually lend itself to a more cohesive you know uh, storyline throughout the film. But you know, from the sounds of it, it sounds like it's it's definitely worth you know putting my time into seeing. So that's that's good to hear for sure. Yeah, and if you're the sort of person who's willing to waste your time on seeing Batman v Superman, definitely go see this movie because it's a heck of a lot better. Uh, <laughs> that's true. I have not seen Batman v Superman, and honestly, I don't really intend to until it's like a, you know, on a streaming side, and I can just you know watch it. Okay. You know, some and, night I don't give a shit. And this this but movie this definitely this movie definitely works without seeing Batman v Superman, but is it's okay. it's very it's very much placed in a in a movie post that that mo- that movie um they are t- they are connected in that way i don't want to spoil batman v superman but if you watch this movie it will obviously spoil the end of batman versus superman because it's uh, dependent on it um but yeah i mean the the actual like justice league setup ties are very small again the after credit scene kind of as as the old it it felt like the way marvel was built used to build their you know avengers universe up 
and I, I think they did it really well in this case. So do you think that they're that DC is starting to kind of get their act together and actually put together a cohesive universe, much like Marvel has been doing for quite a while? I mean, if it like it's hard to say in a general sense because this is a very off off the side movie as it is. As it is. Um the the I don't expect to see Suicide Squad in the Justice League movie. Um, you know, there I, I continued the this does continue to build my support for Ben Affleck as Batman though. He his his appearances in it are very good. Um, they're short, but they're good. Yeah, I was kind of curious because I mean, you see him in the trailers, but I, I wasn't sure how much of a role he'd play other than just you know the tie-in. And it sounds like it, it pretty much is just for the tie-in. Is that accurate? It's, it's there's the tie-in in the after credit scene, and then there's also he appears in uh, some of the you know because they do kind of an origin story bit on each of the villains. Um, right. And so suffice to say, he caught at least one of them. So he's involved in 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 those little flashback presentations. And how long was the movie? Was it like two hours standard or longer or shorter? You know, I think it was probably a little over two hours. Um, okay. Uh, you know, I our movie was at 10.30. We got out at 1. Um, but that's, of course, with trailers and padding. And we sit through all the credits because we're helpless people. They, they, by the way, for those who are curious, there's like an after after credit scene after like the, the like big starring credits. But before the like big stream of endless letters and numbers um and there is no like second after credit scene once you've seen the after credit scene that's kind of in the middle of the credits you're done you can leave if you want okay that's that's good to know because you know I, I i think it's always funny when they thank the sandwich guy but i don't necessarily need to actually see them thank the sandwich guy every time mm-hmm. but Just yeah think that's how you length. could get your name in the movie credits all you have to do is that's... be the sandwich guy in hollywood <laughs> and you're in movie credits you, you could point to your name you know your whole family could be like i'm so proud he's in the credits i i think uh, lord of the rings did the fax machines at one point i, I forget which film that was but i think it was lord of the rings because but, uh, they're, because yeah. that movie wasn't padded enough i bet the hobbit had to do that had to just you oh, know what? can God. we add some more credit lines in here the movie's only like 10 hours long at this point <laughs> you know you know i never actually went and saw the hobbit because i was Don't. so pissed off about the whole trilogy thing i was like there's no way in hell they could possibly make this not be stretched out with the amount of, i mean I've, i i actually read the hobbit i only read read about half of the, the lord of the rings trilogy books but like like how the hell did they make three movies out of that they, little, they didn't they you know, spent, snippet. Like, there's literally like a 30 second scene where gandalf is just like sitting there smoking a pipe it's it's they stretched that movie so far it's not even funny someone online made like a four-hour cut of the whole trilogy and if someone really wants to watch the movie i'd say watch that <laughs> i i might do that because like I hear that you can pad with battle scenes, but after a while, you're like, okay, come on, get on with the plot. You know, actually, one I, I remember reading this as a kid. I, I kind of want to actually get to the part that I read, not just filler. But uh, the, the reason I asked about the the length of Suicide Squad is I was like, you said it's an origin story of the characters, and I wanted to make sure it wasn't too rushed. Like, did you feel that they were given enough screen time to, to properly explain their backstory? It wasn't just a uh, you know, cram it in there with a three second blurb. Well, I mean, the, the actual intros of the backstory are actually done kind of like, um, they do like, it's actually, it's kind of weird. It's like, um, I, I don't know if you might have seen some of the commercials where they do it, where they literally like show the character and their name, and then they have some kind of funny blurbs about the character, and then they kind of show really just how they got caught for the most part. It's not really heavily, they, they didn't go heavy on the origin stories all that much. Okay. Um, okay. And I don't think that that was a problem, because I don't, 
you don't need to know it at, at, at a certain degree because you kind of get it. Um, you know, Deadshot kills people. It's, you know, it doesn't take a grand amount of storytelling to explain why he is where he is. Um, but they do, you know, all the characters do go into it a little bit further in during the plot of the movie itself. You know, um, I would actually say these were probably some of the most compelling characters I've seen DC put on the, the movie screen in a long time. Um, you actually kind of give a crud about them and they're mildly interesting to watch, which is a lot more than I can say of anyone I've seen in Man of Steel or, or Batman v Superman, which were just really dry. These they're, they're good characters and I think they're told well. Well, that's that's uh, good to hear. I mean, it's you know, the, the, obviously the anti-hero sort of uh, theme is is popular right now. I mean, Deadpool is obviously a a raging success, and I've I've been told that this movie is nothing like Deadpool. So don't go in it into it thinking that it's going to be like no, Deadpool. No, it's, it's but, nothing. It's nothing know, like Deadpool. Yeah, but if you like you know anti-hero, it, it seems like it's probably worth your time to to at least check it out. So I'll, I'll probably hopefully maybe this week or next week we'll see. Uh, if the schedule allows, but I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing Suicide Squad. So, uh, with that being said, let's probably move along here. Uh, some news, kind of more in the in the gaming realm. Uh, it looks like and this was kind of interesting to me. Xbox is releasing uh, through Best Buy a uh, a bundle where it comes with an Xbox One, not the Xbox One S, which is the new one. It's the older Xbox One, uh, 500 gig, and it comes with the console. Um, and it's either one of three bundles. I think it's either the Quantum Leap white one, or the Gears of War bundle, or the uh, like pick a game bundle, which is like you get to pick like from uh, the Gears of War or Tomb Raider or some other ones. I forget. Uh, and then it also comes with a 50 inch flat screen TV um, from Sharp, I think. And so that whole bundle is uh, 500 bucks for the TV and the console with the game. So um, that's over on Best Buy right now. I know last time they did a Best Buy. Xbox bundle like that, um, I think it's a smaller TV, but they, they sold out really quick. So if you were on the fence about getting an Xbox and you need a TV for whatever reason, um, just something to keep in mind there. It's uh, it, it seems like a pretty good deal to me because the console, I think, is normally $250. Um, so you're, you're getting a bit of a deal on that, and then obviously the TV is, is pretty sizable for, for the price. So that might be worth your time. I, I don't know. I mean, the screens have gotten really cheap these days. I got mine is a. That is true. One of the ones I got is, I think it's a 40, 40-ish screen, inch screen, and that was 250 like a while ago, and I've seen bigger TVs cheaper now. I, I honestly think you're probably, you probably get a 50-inch for 250 on its own at this point. Um, I mean, you might be saving something, but it's not a radical deal, and so there may be, it's one of those things where sometimes you, you get the bundle, you're, you're getting stuff that's you know they're hoping to get rid of or is a little bit of the, uh, on the budget well, end of yeah, things like, there may be better quality I mean, that's, that's marketing <laughs> yeah but I, I i'm just saying the tv is a big purchase you're gonna get stuck with for a while i don't know if you you necessarily want to go with you know the bundle that throws in a tv yeah i mean if, if you're fine with a tv it looks like it's a 50 inch sharp um with a roku built-in smart whatever Normally four thirty on sale for three fifty, and then obviously you get with the bundle. It's that basically brings it down to effectively two fifty. So I mean, it's it is what it is. I mean, if you're if you don't own a flat screen at this point, um, it would be a little surprised if you're you know doing modern gaming. But if you if you need TV and you don't care about the quality, um, you know it, it, it is a 1080p uh, sixty hertz. It looks like, but 
you know, just something worth mentioning for, for people that may be out in the market. Uh, kind of the big one, though, is to kind of consider is that if you're going to be buying a TV, you're probably looking, you know, either holding off a little bit or if you want to spend a little more getting a, a 4K, you know, Don't get a 4K one, TV. Don't get a 4K, Why not? Don't get a 4K you, TV. You know, There's, well... Let me put it this way: well, is, if if you if you're into that sort of thing, if you want no no no, if you want a 4K TV, you have to do a little bit of math because the reality is, at the distance most people sit from their big screen TVs, it's literally impossible for the human eye to discern the difference. Um, so, but if you uh, ask Catmark, he will insist up and down that he can tell the difference. But that's Catmark, and Catmark uses Discord, <laughs> so we've already been there. We already know what Catmark is because Catmark uses he can, Discord. He can so, count the pixels out. He knows. <laughs> uh huh. Sure, each and every one. I'm sure, I'm sure he's <laughs> all the there pixels and, and all the frames. Yeah. But but the thing is, is like if you're gonna if you have a large desktop computer screen that you sit you know a couple of feet from, you could gain the benefits of a 4K TV. Like, if I wanted to replace my computer monitor, there is a distinct difference. But at a TV size and, and distance, in most cases, you aren't going to see it. You have to, like, you have to practically be, like, sitting at desktop distance from, like, a 55-inch TV to be able to see the difference between 1080p and 4K. It's really... It's not, it's not worth the money, and I think it's really one of those ways that the industry has to just keep pushing up the specs so that they can keep selling new full price devices as you know as we can see that the 1080p screens become margin so marginally cheap um you know that you can bundle them with an xbox um that's fair and and the other thing is that 4k is early enough there's very little content that that supports it and you're going to be getting kind of the the well, their biggest spec is 4k so they're not worried about as much about those other specs so you may not have as high quality of other other traits that you would look for in a tv because it's a you know an early 4k tv um i think we're we're at least you know four or five years out from it being a good idea to just buy a 4k tv well i mean it's gonna have to come down to pr to prices that are similar to current tvs i think before people are going to really adopt it because i mean like like you said it, it's getting to the point where they can keep pushing resolution up, but it's going to be to the point where it's like you, you can't actually tell. I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, certain games that can run at, you know, a gazillion frame rates. It's like, well, your eye can't actually see beyond a certain frame rate. So after that point, yeah, you can push the specs to reach that level. But what's the point? It's the same with the TVs, you know. I think they'll probably sell people on the, the 4K, but once they start going to the next next tier and they double it again, I don't know if people are going to actually buy into it. I mean, that's... that's uh, the tough sell. I mean, you could probably put them side by side. Unless you're pressing your nose to it, you're not going to be able to tell the difference between like a, a 4K and 16 or whatever the next one would be. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see, honestly, I would love to see them go further in projectors down the road. Um, I yeah. think it'd be, I, I mean, I think it's hard, It's a hard sell to put 4K on a 55-inch screen or something like that. But if if you could get me a 4K projector, I could coat my wall with. Um, oh yeah, for sure. That I mean, at at that range, you can go 8K or whatever. I mean, an IMAX projector, I think, is only like maybe. I think it might only be 8K, maybe 16K at the high end. It's not. I mean, there's there's definitely room to grow if you can grow the screen size. But as long as you're just shoving more pixels in a 55, it doesn't matter. Well, and like your IMAX example works because I mean, yeah, it's it's 8K, but you have to sit the distance that you're away from that screen. I mean, granted, it's still an absurdly large screen, but you're still you lose your ability to perceive those differences the further away you get. So, you know, you're, you're only further away IMAX. if you're in a shoddy IMAX screen. You're in a good IMAX well, theater. You're only five rows back from the, the, the thing. 
you can't see any heads, and it's like the entire width of your vision is entirely coated no, I, with screen. No, I agree, but you're you're obviously going to be a bit further back than your living room. I mean, it's 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 not you can't compare the two. But the point being is that you're still you know it, it gets to the point where you know more resolution is not going to gain you anything. And people who've been to an IMAX, it's it's amazing in how clear the image is for the size. So I, th I think you're right that, you know, it, it's going to get to a point where, you know, projection where you can increase the screen size is something that's actually, you know, where you're going to notice that difference from a reasonable position of where you're sitting. But I think for, you know, normal frame TVs, it, it's just not going to happen. I mean, I, I think they might actually go, if not towards projectors, but more towards, you know, the edgeless displays where you're stacking multiple multiples together to produce a larger screen with you know, uh, the, the smaller screens, you know, uh, connected to each other. Oh, I forgot something completely unrelated. It's literally, I was scrolling past something on my screen that made me think of the other comment I wanted to make on Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. Whoever made this movie thinks everybody has tattoos. Like, there's there's literally, if you didn't see a tattoo on a character, it's probably because they, they had too many clothes for you to see the tattoos you can assume they had. Everyone in, this, in, this, in that movie has tattoos. Like, all over. Hey, speaking of that, was Jared Leto's face all tatted up like it was in that promotional pic that came out um, a couple of months ago, whenever that was? I don't think drastically. I think it's more. Okay. I think it's more like neck down is where it's really. Oh, heavily. okay. Okay. Uh, what game does that Xbox bundle come with, Pokey? Um, it's either the Quantum Leap or Break. I forget, and then the uh, crap, and then it's either the, the Pick One bundle. So it's Gears of War, the Quantum. Or okay, Forza Six, Tomb Raider, um, another Gears of War, or something that's really small. Yeah, I can't see what it is. It's got a little thing. It's on. It's on their website on the the, the Best Buy website. Oh, okay. thing oh. set up. This is only through Best Buy, mind you. Uh, but on the topic of 4K, because that's where I was going with the segue here, uh, PlayStation 4.5, or PlayStation Neo as it's being called, um, some more details released from Eurogamer. Uh, mostly kind of what we knew before, um, just more confirmation that it's you know, not just not just rumors here. So um, it looks like it's going to be not only slimmer, so it's basically, instead of just doing the slim version of the PS4, they're going to up the graphics to... Um, a new a new graphics engine, obviously, and it looks like that Sony is requiring that all games. Let me see what they said here. I think they're saying that after October 2016, all games had to be able to support the Neo, um, and they're required to have a base version and then a Neo mode, which is the upped version of the graphics, basically just upscaling everything. Uh, but they did say that all existing games should should work, but they need the all games after October 2016 need to actually have Neo support to give functionality to you know base PS4 and to the Neo with the increased uh, specs, just so they actually have games being produced that are you know worthwhile if you own this console. So I mean, it's it's Sony trying to make sure that if you you pick up one of these things, that it's going to be you know actually have a, a game base that that can that can play it. And I think they said they're shooting for a $400 price tag. So I think that, you know, it's it's going to be more than what the current PS4 is, but, you know, still not absurd. It's not going to be like $800, you know, <laughs> PS3 release sort of thing going on. So it, it'll be within, you know, the expected price range, I think. Um, 400 maybe a little bit more, we'll have to see. But, you know, it, it's certainly worth, you know, kind of keeping your eye on, I think, if you don't own a PS4 and are thinking about it, getting it, because, like I said, it's going to have backwards compatibility with all existing games prior to this, and you'll have that option to, 
you know, bump up the graphics for games produced after October 2016. And they did say that games can come out before then that will have Neo support, but obviously the console won't exist yet, so you won't have that functionality until, you know, you pick up the console. But uh, certainly worth worth looking at, especially with, you know, PlayStation VR coming out, you know, having that extra oomph would be nice. You could actually have, you know, you're obviously limited by, you know, the screen, the VR headset itself. But, you know, there, there are certain advantages, obviously, have more processing power you can work with um, for VR games since they are so, you know, uh, hardware intensive. Does anyone think they're going to maybe pick that up? Because I, I, you don't own a, a PS4 right now, right, Bate? No. Um, I was actually talking with, uh, I'm still in contact with uh, some some people who uh, who got a PS4. And I was, you know, I was telling them that, you know, if if I could find a job and get a computer built in, a PS4 would be my next would be my next purchase. Hashtag PC Master Race. Race. <sighs> well, I should have expected that. <laughs> but uh, I have nothing, no reason to yeah. buy a PS4 if they, if uh, you know, to to rub salt in an old wound. If there was, a, you know, a certain game that I needed to buy a PS4 to play, I'd buy I'd buy one. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's always a questionable thing, and especially as as architecture for consoles gets closer to PCs. I mean, the Xbox is basically a PC anyways, and PS4 is not not too far away. You know, I think next gen is going to basically be Steam boxes more or less, where it's just a PC in a fancy case that's you know branded by Sony or Microsoft. Um, so I mean, it, it, it's it's true that it is. We're all kind of moving towards a, a PC master race. It's just going to be you know called a console, even though it's probably going to be the same thing on the inside. Yeah, so it looks like PS4 4.5 will, will allow for 4K gaming input. Uh, does not necessarily have to be natively supported, so that you can stick with a 1080p. Or okay, gotcha. So it will upscale a 1080p, and the game must have that functionality to upscale the graphics to 10 to 4K if it's 1080p. But you can also include, you know, a true 4K um, output, which is which is pretty cool. So, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think that. You know, it's a lot of the, the games coming out now are, are, are looking pretty good. And you know, I'd certainly think with a little more oomph, they could probably, you know, uh, certainly push out, you know, quite a bit more if, if they're getting a little more power. So I think that new processor is going to be interesting. And we'll, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm kind of curious if this, you know, mid-generation upgrade sort of thing is going to uh, happen again or see, see if it works. I mean, you don't really normally see, you know, a, a 0.5 version of a console. You, should, you know, you wait until... Uh, you know the next gen, but already you see Microsoft with the Scorpio or whatever, and then you know the, the PlayStation Neo is kind of their their answer to we're going to give you a little bit more, um, possibly just you know trying to compete with PC a little bit more, especially with VR coming out. You know the consoles want to make themselves a lot more appealing. So you know we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm kind of curious if it'll take off and if we'll you know see a PS 5.5 or whatever in the future when that finally comes around. So. Moving along here, uh, another console coming out is Nintendo NX. I know we kind of talked about this in the past a bit. Um, and from the sounds of it, uh, it is basically going to be a portable console that you plug into a dock. Um, it goes to your TV, so you can play it like a, a, like a home console because the controller detaches from the portable unit. And so you can sit on your couch and, and play it, and I'm sure it'll probably have backwards compatibility with all the other you know, Wii stuff, but you can put that controller back in, pull it out of the dock, and take it with you, and, uh, you know, play on the go. And it sounds like they're basically shooting for the graphics power between a PS3 and a PS4, so you're not going to see, you know, PS4-level graphics 
on the new Nintendo NX. I think we all kind of expected that. Nintendo really hasn't tried to compete directly in the graphics department with, with Sony and Microsoft. But, you know, it's it's going to be up there. It's not going to be, you know, lagging behind the entire generation, but it's not going to be quite up there with what we're seeing right now. But regardless, I mean, what do you think, guys? For me, this sounds like what the Wii U should have been in the first place with their little, you know, touch gamepad. It should have been truly portable, not portable within your living room. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, I kind of expected to be able to take the tablet with me and was kind of found it weird when you couldn't. Did you actually buy a, a Wii U? So? I do. I do own a Wii U. Oh, okay. I, 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 I own a Wii, Wii U. I do not own a but... PS4, but I do own a Wii U. I have my priorities straight. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that is something that can be said about Nintendo is that they, they obviously don't try to compete directly and they, they do things that you couldn't do on other consoles or at least right and the games the the games available for nintendo consoles mostly because they're made by nintendo cannot be played on anything else that's i mean that's their their selling point is that they may never have the best console but they're always going to have the best games and the funny thing is that a lot of their really classic games are you know rehashed or not rehashed but i mean it's mario games don't tend to differ too much i mean they're they're usually at, it's at a their formula core, that works. the same thing but it's weird because you see other companies do it for other you know franchises and they get you know ripped up and down left and right over it but nintendo does it do people it go hey, well, yeah i mean that, that's true i mean it's this i was calling it the nintendo magic where it's there's something about their products that you just ah oh, yeah this is still fun it's the same thing but i'm still enjoying every minute of it well you know one of the things that I, people don't always realize is that when you if you actually take even the latest games today and you you break them down to what they really are it's amazing how how not complicated they actually are like one of the things that um i i it, it were i particularly thought about it is when i was playing uh, I think it was the the previous, not not the latest, but the one before it, the Tomb Raider game, which is of course um, stunningly good graphics in in both of those games. And there was this partic- particular sub part of this level where you were kind of e- edging your way to, uh, across the ledge of a you know a cliff face. And so you, the only things that really work there for you is you've got your your left and your right because you're sliding along the thing. And you can, I think you did have like a jump ability there. And, and when you think about it, all that you needed is a 2D game that shows a little sprite edging across the screen with something you got to avoid. And that's all it is. They have a really, really fancy, stylish, high 3D quality, you know, animation that they're displaying on the screen while you're playing. But if you look at the underlying layer, that's all it is. In that, you know, that's just a little mini game, which takes three buttons as commands. Um, but it's so, it, we, we've got so, such, such an art form of, of covering that up by making it look like this realistic environment that you can't, you don't even, in most cases, you don't even think about it that way. You don't realize that that's all that game, that section of that game is. Um, and so I think Nintendo's realized that you don't necessarily need all of that layered on top for it to still be the same fun game. Well, yeah, cause I mean, they, they, you see the trend where we're going for realism. You know, it's always this feeling it's ultra realistic and make it look as real as possible. Nintendo goes, screw it, we're making cartoons. Like it's a video game, guys. You know, if you want to, if you want to go right in the junk, we go outside. You know, we're gonna have a, a pudgy little plumber, you know, bouncing around or 
you know, Legend of Zelda with its its very very good looking cell shading. I mean, they they make no attempt to to push out a, a, a ultra realistic game. They're like, let's just make it look you know pleasant. It's it's got a very nice glow to it, but you know, let's not focus so much on the graphics and focus on producing a, a product that you know is. It, it, they stay very true to their roots, like you said. It's 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 a very simple game that's you know it's got an overlay on it, and it kind of comes down to how much are they going to focus on that overlay? How many gimmicks and and uh, you know weird little things are they going to you know you know uh, shove into the game to make it seem more interesting and complex? In reality, they're usually just cumbersome and annoying, uh, rather than just kind of focusing on you know what what actually is fun rather than you know, what seems complicated and new and different, because I mean, that's, that's kind of the ongoing competition, right? Is how can we make ourselves look different from, from everybody else? But in reality, it's, I I think a lot of times they, they kind of move away from what's actually fun. And that's why you see, you know, a lot of really high quality stuff coming out of the indie indie developers, because they're saying we're here to make a great game. Whereas, you know, other, you know, major brand studios looking at we're here to sell a product we want to make something that's going to sell and be popular and i think nintendo is is kind of maintains that almost indie style um mantra of you know we're here to make a fun game you know we we don't compete with everyone else because we do something that's unique it's distinctively us and we don't have to to be different because we already are different you know what i mean but yeah i think i think it's going to be it's going to be interesting i hope that it does better than the wii u did um from the sounds of it, this is kind of Nintendo's attempt to take on the cell phone game game industry because they want to offer, you know, something that's, that's pretty high fidelity that's still, you know, portable to a point where you want to take it with you, uh, but still have that option to take it home and, and play it like a console. I mean, they've, they've said before, this isn't meant to compete with the Wii U. It's meant to be its own thing. And I think that if they, they are indeed going with, with what this information implies, it, it's not going to really be a competitor to the Wii U. I just don't know how well it's going to fare against, you know, cell phones and other portable devices. I mean, that's that's a pretty tough market that's been going pretty strong, and it's, it's obviously very popular and has done quite well. Um, so we'll see if the hardware can actually stack up to it. I'm, I'm I am curious. It's it's going to be one of those things where I'm not going to jump on the second it comes out. Uh, unfortunately, the Wii U has made me very nervous. Um, I, I jumped on the Wii as soon as I could, but the Wii U I, I missed out of just circumstance and then was glad I, I did miss it because <laughs> it was it was not what uh, I was expecting but we'll keep an eye on this one and kind of see where it goes I, I I think it could do well because like I said if they can kind of keep their uniqueness and not try too hard um, I think that's where a lot of companies fail but if they can just do what they've always done and do it well I think it'll it'll actually do pretty well so we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out yeah I mean the Trying to compete with cell phones can be really hard because the biggest thing, it really, it killed. As soon as I didn't have, as soon as I could drive myself places and didn't want, you know, didn't have sitting in a car for long periods to play games, um, I stopped. I stopped really playing any any mobile Nintendo games, and it's really hard to justify carrying another thing around with me that I have to look after and not leave. That's um, a really hard sell. Even if it's drastically better experience than a cell phone game, it's still really hard to sell the that lack of convenience of having to carry another device. Well, and I think that's way that's why they've got that. You know, you dock it to your TV, you can play it. I mean, you could buy this and play it as a home console and never take it out of its dock. 
um, and it would it would work just fine. But if you ever wanted to take it with you, you would you know have that option. And I, I think that you know for someone like you or for me like me like like you said, once you started driving yourself around, the the allure of mobile devices kind of went away because usually when I'm out, I'm there for a specific purpose. I'm either at work or eating dinner, and then I usually go home right away. Um, so I, I don't really have time to play mobile devices other than on my cell phone on the off chance that you know I'm I'm standing in line and I want to you know pull up. And, Plants vs. Zombies for five minutes and, and click away. But I've got my phone with me already. So for me, I'm like, I don't know if I really want to carry something else with me. You know, I mean, they, they, they are kind of clunky. Um, if it's much bigger than a cell phone, it's, it's usually a, a kind of a, a clunky experience. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. For, for me or for you, like I said, uh, it will do well as a, as a home console, I think, with the option to take it with you for, you know, that off chance you want to, you know, take it to a friend's house or whatever and, and slam it in their dock or, or whatever. Um, it, the portability could, could be useful, but uh, I think that that is probably Nintendo's answer to people that don't necessarily want to play mobile, but giving them the option to as well. I mean, you see that now with a lot of the Wii U games where they're released simultaneously, where you've got, you know, Super Smash Brothers on, on Wii U and then you've got the DS version um, that run, you know, parallel. I think this could be them trying to kind of combine that, that philosophy of you know we want you to have the option to do it at home or on the go and just put it all in one one box instead of you know having you buy two separate versions for it so you know it, it could work I mean the flexibility is there um, it could appeal to a wide range of players and Nintendo's always done well at at, at adding a, a wide age range and, and this could also help to kind of to get a lot of different lifestyles kind of in there as well so you know it, it could do well I mean it, it's I'm kind of iffy on it but I think it it might work you know we'll we'll have to see. So moving along, um, we'll, we'll just touch on a couple of these things briefly. Uh, so it looks like HTC um, with the Vive, the, the VR headset, they have released their tracking software. So the software that's used to do all the tracking of their sensors and the headset, whatever. They've released that as royalty-free software that you can use and, and, and develop with. Um, and you don't have to pay anything for it. They aren't expecting anything out of it. It's They've just released it. Um, I'm not sure why, um, maybe to help with development of, of peripheral software or hardware, but uh, just kind of an interesting tidbit there to, to see software going you know, open source or something that's so new. Um, I mean, they, they could be looking to kind of indirectly get you know, crowdsourcing on that to, to have people get their hands on it and start playing with it and, and potentially improve it and then turn around and, and use it for themselves. I mean, that's, that's not too uncommon where you see developers that will kind of release things to the community and the community will mod you know, games or whatever, and then they'll turn those mods into you know, official features in the game. Uh, I mean, you've seen that on PC a lot, and um, on console, you're starting to see it now with with mod support for certain games popping up. So yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it yeah, could well, be good overall. Bear in mind the tracking software, like a lot of the tracking technology and stuff, was all developed by Valve, not HTC. And Valve has a huge incentive to get people making games and other hard, even competing hardware with that technology because they get thirty percent cut on like everything that's sold through Steam. So. The more games, the more hardware that plays games bought through their platform, it all works for. No, yeah, that makes sense. Um, especially, like I said, the HTC leveraging their their Valve connection is is probably what's going to allow them to do a lot better than, than Oculus Rift. I think Oculus is is kind of stumbling because of that. Um, especially with the Vive having you know the superior technology overall, and Oculus just coming out with their their motion controllers, um, or at least debuting them, you know, very recently. I think in the last couple of days or so, uh, kind of showing them off and, and at uh, 
I think that German that German game show they were showing them off at. But uh, they're they're struggling. It's interesting to see that because I always kind of saw Oculus as being, you know, they're the the granddaddy, they're the ones that are kind of going to lead the charge. And then, you know, Vive came out of nowhere from my perspective and, and kind of stole the show. And then PlayStation's doing their own thing. Um, and Oculus is kind of in a rough spot right now. So it's it's interesting to see, you know, how these things play out. But I think you're, you're right that leveraging that, that Valve software is, is it's going gonna, it's gonna to do a lot of good for them, I think, in the future. Uh, so I know Bate mentioned in the show prior, you want to talk a bit about Elder Scrolls Online? What's going on with that, man? Uh, yeah, I picked it up, um, uh, two weeks ago, a week ago, I'm gonna say two weeks ago, though, and, uh, started playing through it with a, uh, with a friend of mine, uh, before we'd just been playing Call of Duty, and that got really, really, uh, annoying. So, I said, well, you have Elder Scrolls, so I just get it, so we didn't, or so I did and so we started up a new game, uh, and I have had a blast playing it. Uh, even though it's an MMO, and um, it doesn't, you know, feel like an Elder Scrolls gamer, um, you know, like people are accustomed to. Um, I, it's still, you know, a heck of a lot of fun to play, and I am enjoying it thoroughly. Um, it it looks different. Um, like Skyrim had that kind of dark atmosphere in in places and just overall i guess i don't know if that's because of just the uh the starting area um or the alliance that i chose um or if that's just something with the game itself um but it's it's still really pretty um just like you know elder scrolls games have been in the past which is good so was the gameplay basically similar to what people have played in skyrim um yes and no um, I would say you, the buttons that you know you would normally push in Skyrim, um, they don't do the same thing. Obviously, um, the the what are they the the X Y triangle circle and all that all those have been replaced with uh, your abilities. So uh, as you progress through the game, you get um, you get you know abilities that do different things. Some of them heal and this, that, and the other. Um, that are tied to um, to your bumpers uh, and those and those four buttons. Um, but you know, as far as the you know the right trigger still the attack and uh, left trigger still blocks. So it's kind of similar. Just takes some getting used to, I guess. So I mean, it's it's considered an MMO, right? So I mean, do mm-hmm. you group up in a party like a traditional MMO and move around, or are you just kind of free roaming, doing your own thing and you know, it just kind of happens to the fly where you might be, you know, working together with somebody else. Like, how does that like, the group mechanic actually work? Um, you can you can run them solo. Uh, you can run through the whole game just by yourself. Uh, or you, you can group up with people. And they have, um, I think for the most part, every main story objective that I've played has been, uh, has been a, a, solo, um, a solo dungeon. Um, but, you know, there are group dungeons. And uh, I actually did one the other day. Where um, uh, friend and I, we we walked to the dungeon and we were about to go in, and these two guys just uh, uh, just came to do it as well. So you know, we just grouped up with them and and ran the dungeon. Um, the the dungeon, the the group dungeons, at least they're they're feasible with one or two people, I'd say, but they're super easy if you have you know a group of four. Um, so. Okay, so 
I know that Skyrim. I played Skyrim, you know, fairly extensively. It's it's pretty open ended in the character you know development. Are is that maintained in Elder Scrolls Online, or is it more of a traditional kind of class based uh, MMO style where you, you kind of pick a class and then build your way into that, or is it you know completely wide open? You can kind of do whatever you want. Like, how does that progression system actually work for the the online game? Um, it's I want to say it's a little bit of both. I mean, like you know, you pick your class. Like I'm a mage. Uh, a healer, and I can. I have my uh, my quest line. There's no quest trees in this. It's just lines. Um, so you can you can go through your quest line or your skill line, and then. Um, but you know the skills for all the other um, uh, things are there. So like you know I may not use archery, um, but I can still I can still skill into it, and then start getting. Um, uh, my experience um, put towards it, um, and the, the experience is kind of, is kind of uh, interesting. So, like when you um, when you kill something, I'm not sure if it was this way in Skyrim. I don't I don't remember. Um, but when you kill something, you get experience for all of your stats uh, that you have um, unlocked. I guess so. You know, you'll kill a mud crab, and you'll get experience for your light armor, your heavy armor, your medium armor, and then you know. And everything else that effectively that you've used. So if you've picked up a bow at least once, uh, and, and you know, and gotten like two two kills with it or whatever, for the rest of the game you're going to be getting experience uh, for your bow, even if you don't use it. So all that to say, you can you can use anything that you want for your character, you know, um, but it they very much you know suggest that you stick with. Um, uh, with the skills for your class. I gotcha. So, is there like a level cap, or is it just kind of leveling until things not, are maxed out and you can not, do new things? Not that I know of. Um, I know it goes up to at least 50. Um, I, I don't know. Okay, that's that's, that's pretty interesting. I, I never got a chance to pick up Elder Scrolls Online, mostly because its reviews were uh, pretty lackluster when it first came out. Now it was mm-hmm. several years ago, so it might have been improved upon, obviously. Now the game is free to play, correct? Uh, yeah, you um, you buy it once and then. You, oh, okay, uh, so it's a one-time. It. Mm-hmm. There's no monthly fee. Okay, is there any monetization no, 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 like no. cash shop or anything like that? Um, there is an ESO Plus, um, which I think is the subscription model that you can uh, you can pay per month. I'm not sure what you get to because you know I'm not interested in that. Um, but you pay. Let me look at it real quick. Um, and then there's, um, there's the crown sword that you can use to buy, um, you know, DLCs or, um, or customization, I think. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. It looks like it's mostly mounts and cosmetics and stuff, so we won't have any $30 fish suits like, uh, Zell has over in the Black <laughs> Desert. <laughs> Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's. I think it's it's pretty appealing for people that you know may just want to drop that that first uh, that first purchase, and then you know I'm I'm always fine with monetization of, of cosmetics and stuff like that. I think that's that's really the best way to do it, and, and the only way that I think is really appropriate to do it for for this for games. So you know, it, it's good to see that it didn't go you know full on pay to win because you know that yeah. happens, and yeah. especially for for MMOs, it's it's very commonplace where you have you know, pay to win on, on free to play games because that's you know how they, they get you. I mean that's it's you know it, it's proven itself to be a very viable um, 
monetization scheme, even if I don't particularly agree with it. I think a lot of people tend to dislike it because being nickel and dime to death is a real pain in the ass. So that's that's good to see that it's it's doing well. And you'll have to keep us posted on that because mm-hmm. I probably don't have the time to pick up another MMO because I play a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen and that game has more content than you could ever possibly do if you do everything. Um, so, but I, I, I do like the Elder Scrolls universe, and I, I always thought that an online game would be pretty cool, so I, I think it's neat that they've done that. I'm, I'm glad that it, it seems to have at least survived, despite its rocky starts. So that's, yeah, yeah. that's good to hear. Yeah, it, it, I, yeah. going back to, you know, the what you were saying about all the, the content, at least in Final Fantasy, I feel like, you know, Elder Scrolls has so much you just quest wise um like like i'll be walking to to uh, the current quest i'm doing and then it'll be like oh there's like six other quests that i can pick up and in just the first area um oh yeah it's <laughs> it's crazy the worlds are so damn beautiful um you know being able to go to i think i get to go to five different areas within the faction that i chose um and they're so you know so radically different um, from one another, and you know, it, it's it's great to see um, more than just you know just Skyrim, which is just fucking snow and forests for the entire damn game. So when you say you go to different areas, are these the different areas that appear in the previous Elder Scrolls games that you're you know you're within a specific area like just Skyrim or just Marwood or or whatever? Uh, are those all accessible like to scale, or is it like a smaller version of it? Um, I don't know if they're to scale. Um, I know that all of Skyrim is not open because what you do is you, you pick your faction and each faction has like three different races or something, three or four different races, um, within that faction. And you'll go to certain areas, um, within all of the, um, the provinces, I guess, of that faction. So like for, um, one of my, I am Eben, no, Daggerfall, I'm Daggerfall Covenant. So I get to go to, um uh pretty much all of high rock and then um uh just the the desert in hammerfell um and then skyrim i think um if you go with that alliance you just get access to uh east march and the rift so i think that's windhelm and riften and then um, uh whatever the fuck is to the right um morrowind i think is to, is to the right of skyrim so, so I, you're basically you, you, areas. Are, are you stuck with the faction once you create your character? Like you'll never have access to the other areas that aren't included from, in that faction. From what I understand, yes, you are locked wow. to the area uh, that your faction belongs to, unless you go into uh, Cyrodiil, um, which is kind of like the big PvP area um, of the game. You go and you. Um, you go with a, a group, I think. I think they're group. Um, they're kind of like group raids, and you go and you fight other players um, from the other factions to gain land uh, within Cyrodiil, and they generate uh, points that you can use in, in like a loyalty store to get uh, stuff for your uh, your faction. That's interesting. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised that they they take a model where you don't get to play <laughs> large chunks of the game because of a certain factional pick. I mean, the um, are, are you allowed to have huge, multiple characters? Right? Oh, yeah, you can have, well, like, so, I yeah. think I can have eight characters on console. Okay, that's that's pretty it's, common. So, it's not unusual to have faction-divided content. I mean, World of Warcraft has 
whole regions of the game that you will not play in and mm-hmm. have no quests in unless you belong to the alliance or the horde or specifically um that's so that's like not, not that's not different like i guess that's i guess it's unique to just the games i've played just don't happen to have factions in the sense that are uh because you're playing you know, games uh, that are devoid of off. content uh, oh, devoid dude, of content dude. You, you okay <laughs> have you ever seen the patch notes for final fantasy 14 update they're like 12 pages long <laughs> It's, it's okay. ridiculous. Like that's cute. But yeah. world, you know, World of Warcraft may be a mediocre aging game, but that game has more content that you've ever seen in your life. I, I, I've never played WoW, but I would be curious to see how it stacks up to the ridiculous amount of stuff there is to do in Final Fantasy. Like, it, I don't even know. <laughs> you get 14 days free, I'm sure. And find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna find all the content can, in the world in 14 days. I've been playing this game 10 years, buddy. And that's I've, yeah. I, I literally I've played that game for 10 years, and that's without having experienced any of the Alliance content. And they have quite a bit. Fucking hell, dude! Wow. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't feel um, like I'm if I I don't feel like I'm missing out though on content. Like I don't feel like oh man, I'm stuck to Daggerfall. I, I wonder if I'm missing anything in, you know, in with the Old Mary Dominion or the the Ebonheart Pack. And there's just so much to keep me occupied that it's like, holy shit, I don't need to really go over to, um, you know, other factional areas and, and find out. Well, I mean, if anyone who's played Skyrim understands that, you know, you go, you know, oh, I'm gonna go and just talk to this guy. Oh, look, a pebble. Oh, a pebble. And pretty soon you, <laughs> yeah. you know, become the leader of a thief's guild and taking over the. The, the the mages academy and you're like yeah. oh shit what was i doing i've okay i've been doing this for for three months now and i haven't progressed the story at all <laughs> like like elder scrolls games are are i mean bethesda games in general it's just you yeah. you can play them forever because they last forever um zell you said you guys yes. want to talk about so uh speaking briefly on the uh, uh, this is like it go halfway back through your previous topic and then imagine that we're segueing off I'm from sorry. there when I'm i say sorry. speaking of pay-to-win games and and $30 fish suits. Um, So Black Desert actually has an interesting controversy going on right now on top of their, uh, you know, previous triple dip of monetization, which is that, uh, and this is really weird to me that it's it's actually upsetting so many people, is that, because I consider it a good thing, is that they've now announced that they intend to make it so that the uh, paid items, like the $30 costumes and whatnot, can uh, are going to be allowed to be sold in the in-game market for you know ordinary silver, which is obviously it's a common thing for um, Eve Online, for example, to do that, um, and many other games have started doing that because then people who can't afford to pay for those things but play the game a lot and have a lot of in-game money and have a lot of time to generate in-game money can have a chance to get stuff that they can't afford to buy with real money. Um, and it kind of mitigates some of the pay-to-win argument because everything then becomes attainable to everyone. Um, but apparently, in in the way Black Desert's market works, silver is considered such a, a pristinely important currency um, that people are flipping out about it. More so than any of the $30 suits with, with in-game benefits. The notion that those in-game benefits could then actually be bought for regular in-game currency is causing people to freak out. And now you know who paid thirty dollars for a fish costume. Why would people freak <sighs> out though? Like it doesn't. Yeah, they don't. They don't want they because they don't want people who spend money um, 
on on monetized items to be able to have lots and lots more silver than everyone else because they bought these thirty dollar oh. items and then sold them on the market. That's what they're worried about, yeah. you know, I, I guess. And yeah. I'm like, I don't see it. Okay. I mean, to me, the big thing about um, you know being okay with you know is I can kind of live with that sort of transition. It never bothered me in Eve, for example, to be able to you know buy Plex for for uh, money in the game because I don't have a lot of time to play the game. But I do, but because of, mostly because of how much I work. But because of how much I work, I can definitely afford to buy stuff to get me money in game. Um, so to me, I always thought it was a good, you know, give and take where people who who have the time to earn the money in game but don't have the the you know job that I do perhaps to be able to get game time by buying it for me and in exchange for money in game that I don't have time to get. You know, that always seemed like a perfectly fair. And, and reasonable way to, to make that exchange. Um, but apparently for a lot of the Black Desert community, that's the step that has really caused everyone to jump off the deep end. Yeah, I'm like you. I come from EVE, where I always thought that was kind of a cool feature that I was able to get premium stuff, you know, for, for in-game currency. And I mean, it's not like the selling of it for silver is generating more silver. It's not, you know, in, in injecting the market with silver and, and overinflating stuff. It's just moving it around. I mean, it, it, at that point, it's just you're, you're transferring goods around. I mean, the only reason that person would have more silver because they bought a fish costume is because you had more silver and you gave it to them and they gave you a fish costume. Because you wanted the fish costume more than you wanted that right. giant chunk of silver. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I don't see the controversy there. I think that's fine. But I mean, that is apparently that, the thing model. that is... Like, to me, that om that helps mitigate the issues with their pay-to-win, yeah, the fact that exactly. you can get it. But to 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 a lot of people in the Black Desert community, this is the off-the-deep-end, this is the last straw. And I'm like, what? The, their intention probably was to do ex just that. To go, okay, well, okay, it is pay-to-win, but if you play, you can then pay the pay-to-win guy so you can win. Like it's, I guess I can kind of see where they're coming from a little bit, but I think overall it's a much better improvement over what they currently have where you can spend a retarded amount of money to get an in-game benefit that you probably shouldn't. Regardless, I think it's a good thing overall. Yeah, so I thought I'd share that because I, I thought it was such a no, oddly it's, backwards it's you know, reaction to it. Yeah, I, that's like it's, it's weird. Um, all right, so probably we're we're kind of over the one-hour mark here, so we'll probably finish up with this uh, one last topic, which is or maybe one or two topics. Um, no Man's Sky comes out in a couple of days. I think it comes out on the ninth, so I think Tuesday, and uh, it's kind of an interesting, interesting bit because I mean, No Man's Sky is the game that features you know eighteen quintillion planets, and if you visit a planet once every second, it would still take you five hundred forty-three billion years, basically more content than you can shake a stick at. Um, but the question was, you know, what do you do in the game? So it's kind of a question that's gone unanswered for a long time. And there was uh, obviously that one guy that supposedly paid $1,300 for a pre-release copy of the game and then managed to somehow create a farming technique which allowed him to get to the center of the universe in uh, like 30 hours, which was, you know, supposedly the, the end goal of the game is to, you know, reach the center of the universe. So people were freaking out because they're saying, how dare you have this giant universe that you can you know, quote-unquote, beat in 30 hours. And uh, apparently No Man's Sky did not send out uh, copies to review 
companies, you know, like Game Informer and stuff like that. They didn't send out copies ahead of time, like most companies do, to have the review done ahead of time so the review can come out before the game is released. Um, and usually it's in a company's best interest to do that because, you know, you, you want your game to get good reviews so people will pre-order it and buy it right away and you, you want to make the, that, that kind of opening week, you know, sale. Um, but they didn't do that. And I guess the reason is, is because there is this patch that they've put in, which significantly changes the game. Like it adds certain elements to the randomization and there's certain game features. Like, I guess you can feed animals certain foods and they'll help you or something like that. But regardless, apparently it's a, a fairly important game changing patch. And the reason they didn't send out the copies is because they had to patch it first and they'd already printed it all out. And I guess the system to distribute the patch wasn't ready, but, the point they're trying to make is that the copy this guy had when he, you know, released all this footage is not the same game that's coming out on the ninth or whatever. And I thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, supposedly it was enough of a change to say, don't worry about all of that. You know, it's, it's going to be totally different with a patch, you know, on Tuesday. Sometimes game and developers just say that though. In fairness. They, I, I'm 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 not you know saying I I believe or don't believe them. I just thought it was certainly interesting and very unorthodox way for them to do it. And I again, it just further solidifies my my opinion to wait on this one. Um, I have not pre-ordered the game. I'm not going to buy the game uh, for a number of reasons. One of which is I still don't know what you actually do in it aside from play Minecraft in space. It might just be that. And second of all, I don't have 543 billion years to actually explore the universe i just don't have the time to invest in in a, a, a game of that scale while i think it's it's very cool um i i don't I, I don't know if i'll actually ever get it um just because i don't think i'll have the time to properly enjoy it but you know i, I i'm keeping my eye on it because i, I do kind of want to see how much is it actually true if they actually did change it up a lot or if it is just kind of a oh shit we better say something before people freak out too much and cancel their pre-orders so you know, we'll 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 see how that one goes. Are any of you planning on getting No Man's Sky um, coming out this week? We'll see. I I need to see what what people think of it for reals before I I want to buy it. it. It was never a thing that really like you know I saw the promos. I'm like that sounds cool. That looks cool. But I, I it's never really I've never really gotten hyped up about it. Yeah, and I've I've spoken about my growing discomfort with games that are open world. Um, I think that. Game developers rely on the concept of open world way too much to make a quote-unquote good game. Um, where you can sure you have an open world with lots of random side quests to do, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a fun game. Uh, and that's that's my fear with No Man's Sky, is that it will be an impressively large, very randomized open world without much variety of what you're actually doing in it. Um, and, and that's my, my primary concern, so I'm, I'm holding off on that one. Uh, one weird thing is I think it's coming out on Tuesday for console, but I think it's being pushed back like a week for PC release for some reason. They they can't get the PC version out at the same time. So that's that's kind of a weird oddity there, too. I'm not sure what's going on with that. Um, it looks like um, there's been, there's already an update, um, a, I guess a day one update, update 1.03, uh, that comes out when, the, when No Man's Sky releases. Um... Just a couple of uh, things. You're gonna creatures are gonna have their own diet. Um, just a couple of balancing things. Um, it uh, I it looks like you're going to be able to 
they're working on adding the ability to build bases and own giant space freighters uh, in the game. So it still sounds like you're going to be playing Minecraft in space. You're just going to be able to like build shit now, whereas before um, you weren't. Um, uh, they've changed the rules of the universe generation algorithm. Uh, some planets have been moved. Environments uh, have changed biomes, blah, blah, blah. Um, galaxies are now up to 10 times larger after this update, according to Hello Games. And uh, they're adding in paths, they're calling it, that you can follow throughout the game. Um, and early choices that you take or that you make uh, will have a significant impact on what you see uh, later in the game and the overall experience. So, game's not even out, and already um, some really interesting. Um, changes have been made uh to the game and i mean this may be kind of the model that minecraft does take where the initial game was extremely basic i mean the the early builds of minecraft were were hilariously simple um but they've obviously built upon it in multiple iterations over time and when you've created a universe that's this large you know you you can do you have the flexibility to do some interesting stuff you know like building space freighters for example so i i think that if they are extremely proactive in supporting it um it could be really interesting if they add stuff on a regular basis uh the question of course is you know funding and, and how that'll work and and, and how they're going to pay for the, the manpower to do those kinds of updates but you know I, I i don't really see how you could even do dlc for a game like this um but yeah you know who knows i mean they, they may just run off of sales alone i mean minecraft for the most part supports itself purely off of you know uh, just selling the game there's no monthly subscription it's just new game sales keep it going so you know they, they could pull it off if they if they support it properly I mean, like like they said here i'm looking at the patch notes for 1.03 and there's a, there's a lot of stuff in here that's that's pretty interesting that mm-hmm. that is you know lots of stuff you could do and it, it does change you know quite a number of things yeah apparently there's bounty missions that you can take um kind of like in elite dangerous i think so you're not doing you're not just flying to the middle of the damn galaxy anymore i don't know if that was in there you know that was going to be in there before but if it wasn't in there before it's certainly in there now yeah and i mean in regards to the guy that that bought the game and beat the you know got to the middle in in 30 hours i mean in the patch notes they're a little snarky here they say you know infinite warp cell exploit and rare goods training exploit amongst others removed because people using these cheats were ruining the game for themselves but people are weird and can't stop themselves i mean it is kind of true that the guy even admitted because i was doing things that were likely not intended by the developers and you had to go out of your way to do them and i intentionally did it to see how fast i could get to the middle of the universe he basically ruined the game for himself. I mean, it's a game that's got 18 quintillion planets. You probably don't want to make a straight shot straight from the middle. You kind of want to look around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's fair to say that you could probably ruin the game for yourself and try to make it as short as possible. But if you're doing that, then why the hell are you playing this game? I mean, it's not the kind of game that's meant to be beaten. It's 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 a game meant to kind of like just explore. Yeah. Uh, and, the, yeah. you know, reach the middle of the universe is kind of just a... I think more of a romantic goal rather than something you're actually supposed to really do the whole time, you know? Kind of makes me wonder if the game is like, if all the content in the game is gonna, is, is gonna end up being, uh, a negative, is gonna have a negative impact, um, on it, if that makes sense. Because, I mean, mean, well, I mean, I, in my mind, like, I see 
you know, I I visit my first my first like fifty fucking planets or whatever. Oh, I've seen all eighteen quintillion or however many planets there are. I mean, how diverse can they really be? Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, and that again, it's kind of that 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 rough balance between procedural generated and and you know static is. You can say you've got eighteen million planets, but how much? Is that going to play up? Like how is that going to change your thousand different maps? Oh, d- don't don't even start. With that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, what this is this. The the claim with dust was that you know there were you know whatever thousands of different environments because they had like you know whatever a half a dozen maps, but then there's like you know twenty oh, different twenty different, different like skyboxes, and then there's like twenty different ground patterns that they can put over it. So if you combine like the sky, if you like multiply like the actual maps times the skyboxes times the uh, ground cover patterns, it seems like it's thousands of different environments. What the actual fuck? There there was uh, a mark. There was a point at which that marketing was used. God damn it. I strongly <laughs> advise that they never use that type of marketing again. I'm just saying it happened. What the fuck, man? Well, well and, and that's like with this, though, it's the exact same thing. It's like, okay, there's variation. Cool. I, it will look different, but how is that going to make a significant difference in how I play the game yeah. when I arrive at the planet? Like, like what is it going to actually change? That's what I care about. Like, there's environmental hazards. That's cool. You know that that's cool. You know that that, cool. that does change how you're gonna how you're gonna you know behave and and, and move around the planet and what kind of things you can do. Because like there's like you develop new technology to build up the acid resistance of your suit or whatever, for example. And once you get to a certain point, then you can go to acid planets because your suit won't you know disintegrate upon entry. <laughs> These are important things. But it, it's stuff like that. You know. But how much is it gonna vary? I mean, yeah, okay, the fish has two legs instead of three i mean that's cool i mean like aesthetic differences are nice you want to look different but you also have to have that that level of randomness that actually changes the gameplay otherwise you visit 50 planets and the color of the ground is different yeah like you get to a point where like okay this is the same as the other one it's just got a blue sun instead of a red one you know it's the that sort of thing i worry about now i mean they do get away with there's so many planets that probably is you know they're always going to be different but i i hope that they, they manage to make it be a significant noticeable difference in how you play the game not just what it looks like um and i think that that's kind of key and that's for all procedural games like dust for example like you said you pick the socket often the small sockets didn't even change and those didn't really affect the gameplay that much because they didn't interact with the large socket and the rest of it was aesthetics i mean uh, you know, it, it didn't oh, yeah, do anything. That was no part of it cared. was that they could rotate around the sockets, and then they also had the map, the the colors of the sky and the ground and whatnot. Um, and yeah. I, you know, Eve has done the same marketing at times as they've talked. They talk about having thousands of systems, but in the reality sense of Eve having thousands of systems, the only thing that really matters is like there's a scattering of a pattern of like what gates lead to what systems you know so you've got certain gate systems that feel like they're pocket systems because there's only one way in and out and stuff like that and there's hub systems and stuff yes. but but more or less the notion that oh well there's you know 10,000 systems and you'll never visit them all doesn't matter much because most of well, them are empty because there's no players in them most of the time there's no players in them and, and eve online is effectively a series of rooms that you have to go through a certain door to get to i mean the the systems are so large you can't actually fly around 
and explore because you would you'd spend years trying to fly across the system and never get there. You have to warp, and the warp forces you to go to a room. It's an instance room, and that's it. And those rooms are usually the same regardless of where you're going. Like the same damsel distress mission is going to be the same no matter where the hell you do it. You know, it, it doesn't change anything. It's it doesn't affect the gameplay. I mean, you go to the system, you warp to the mission, you do the same mission you've done, you know, a hundred times before. It doesn't make a meaningful difference in the gameplay so that marketing ploy is lost on me and that's that's largely why i kind of was you know like oh look at all this difference in stuff i'm like okay that's great but what do i do with it you know what's what's going to make it feel different how is the fish with three legs going to make me run for my life or the fish with two legs is okay you know that sort of thing um and and i i am very cautious about it but you know i i hope it does succeed because i mean it's it's kind of like my feelings on uh uh, Star Citizen. I think the idea is really damn cool. I just don't know if they're going to actually pull it off and make a game that's really fun. They're so I, I hope it works, you know, but eh, we'll see. Yeah, I I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Pokey. I applaud everybody at Hello Studios or Hello Games for, you know, working on this game for, I think, five years they've been working on it now. And I just think it's too, it's too ambitious um, for, for its own good. It's, I don't know. Well, I don't know what the ambition is. Is the problem to be a like, big ass game? I, I, I'm I sure mean, that they will. They have I made guess. a big ass game. I just <sighs> want to know what you do inside of it that's going to be fun and engaging for a long time. I mean, if it's something that you 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 start up at a party and let people kind of pick up and fly around with because it's interesting, but you don't really cool, want to sit yeah. down and play it for five hours at a time. I mean, eh. like. Like the game Flower, for example, if you've ever played it, is a very fun party game. You throw it up on the screen, people pick up the controller, they kind of fly around, they go, oh, that's cool. Um, but it's not something you sit and play for forever, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not like a really long game. And, and when you, your main marketing point is you will never run out of plans to explore, cool. I'm, I, I believe you, I'm sure you've done that. But I want, convince me that I want to never run out of plans to explore, you know what I mean? Yep. I, uh, we've got a guy in corporate now who is like coming buckets for this game and has been for a while now. So I'm going to ask him uh, what you do in No Man's Sky other than play Minecraft in space. And I'll get back to you on that one next week. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to know. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll be keeping a, yeah. a close eye on it as well. But you know, the hype is real on this one. And I'm, oh, I, it's bad. I, I get really nervous when there's a lot of hype for, you know, for anything with a lot of hype it's you know the higher it goes the, the further the fall yeah. if it doesn't meet the, meet the standards and i mean even if See, it only gets you know, 60 percent of the way oh yeah yeah star citizen the thing is is that people will spend a lot more money on star citizen than they have on no man's sky well, except for the, the one guy uh the 1300 that guy. one but, guy you there's know, your whale that, there that, is your yeah. no man's sky whale right there who obtained a, a copy from an employee who if ever discovered will most likely be fired uh, and beheaded so. And beheaded, and then his body deposited somewhere on some planet within the No Man's Sky universe with a <laughs> bounty that if you can find his corpse before the end of you know the heat death of the universe, then we'll give you a, a reward or something. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's it. yeah. <laughs> here lies Bob, who leaked the game. This corpse on a random planet, and some guy will be like, "Oh, I I found Bob," and they're like, "Congrats, you get a free mouse mat." <laughs> Okay. Is, uh, I, I think one we, thing real quick is that game gonna have VR oh, support or does it have VR support? 
I don't think it natively has VR support, okay. but they have actively talked about doing it, it and is. it makes a lot of sense that they would. It, like, it does. When the that game sounds like a like game that. prepared for munchies and, you know, munchie. Yeah. I mean, a large part of it takes place in your spaceship. It's not just the planets. I mean, there are battles in space and stations and stuff like that from the looks of it. And we've already seen that, that space fighters or space games where your character is seated work really well for VR. So I, I could see it working. Um, it'll be interesting. It's, it's a VR thing that I'm curious of is first-person shooters and how people do with them in terms of motion sickness. Um, it's, it's obviously a concern. Um, that's largely why Nintendo has not explored VR because they're concerned that playing VR for too long will mess with your brain, um, which is, you know, a, a legit concern. But, you know, I, I would like to see No Man's Sky with VR support. Um, I think it'll do quite well, especially like on the PS4 um, as kind of a, a pilot with that, because I think, you know, people who buy No Man's Sky on PS4 are going to, you know, uh, would really latch onto that. There's a lot more options, obviously, on, on PC for VR stuff now, so that, that may not be as much of an effect, but, you know, I, I, I am looking forward to that, and I, I do think that they will probably put that out pretty pretty close to the release of the headset, if not with it, just because it's it, it would do well for that style of game, in my opinion. Well, anything else you guys want to talk about before we, we wrap this one up? Okay. Uh, we'll go into shoutouts then. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have Mercy on on Zell, and I'll go start at the bottom of the list with, with Livy. Uh, any shout-outs this week? My only shout-out, non-video game related, is to that poor, poor French gymnastic guy oh who my snapped God. his leg, yeah. and to just add to it, they dropped him on his stretcher. <laughs> oh my God. Have so you guys my seen heart that goes out to him. If, if you guys haven't seen the video, it's this gymnast who runs up, he does a little flip off the springboard, lands, falls over, grabs his thigh, lifts it into the air, and you realize that his uh, shin is broken and dangling there. Yeah. I didn't need that description. You, you, you don't need to see it, because it was like, the, the, the caption of the video was, oh, I hope that gets fixed. I'm like, oh, let's see if he like falls, and it's like, funny, oh god. <laughs> this is not what I bought. This is not what I wanted. Um, yeah, and he's just like, chilling there like, up. Damn it. He's like, all right, guys, where, where are you? I'm waiting. Well, and it's one of those freak accidents where he didn't even look like he landed funny. Like, it was just like he must have hit it at just the right angle and twisted the right way that it just broke his leg. Like, it didn't look like he messed anything up. Like, I thought, oh, he just tripped at the we end. Put I mean, a disclaimer on our shout outs. This is grotesque. <laughs> 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 shout outs may contain compound fractures. Okay. Um, bait, shout outs, man. Uh yeah, shout out to the uh, uh all the Olympic athletes um for the next I think eight weeks or whatever or four weeks or whatever um it's gonna be fun watching every single one of you um I did get to watch the the judo matches uh today and that was a, so much fun um so I'm definitely looking forward to watching more of the Olympics and uh, shout out to Team USA for winning the first gold medal. Uh, of the games with a gun. I thought that was kind of we're ironic. Good at that. Yep. Yeah, we're good at that. Yep. We're good at shooting things. <laughs> yep. I didn't um, even know that was a sport. Yeah, it was... Oh, um, yeah. It's pretty cool. That's, what the, uh, that's why they have a pistol emoji in, in the um, emoji sets because of, of sports. And uh, just fun sidebar is uh, 
as, as to uh, hide everyone's poor eyes from even seeing a gun, um, Apple is changing their pistol emoji to a water gun, and Microsoft has decided to do the opposite, and their pistol emoji was like a little fake ray gun, and they're changing it to a realistic pistol. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Political correctness has hit the emoji scene hard. Let's just turn to a Nerf gun and be done. There you go. I'll get behind that. All right, uh, Zell, shoutouts, man. Yeah. Um. Well, my shoutout is more of a more of a warning, maybe a maybe a bit of a, a recommendation to all of the um, Rio athletes. Um, as much as they they absolutely most definitively do not listen to our show. Um, you don't put know. your head under the water, folks. <laughs> oh <laughs> don't open your don't, mouth. Don't open your oh mouth. God. Don't. And you know what? Wear lots and lots of mosquito spray. Just lather it up. You know, to piggyback oh, off man. that, you know, like the the brain eating amoeba that's floating oh, in the yeah. water. Like, like, come on. Oh, that was in that. There, there was a story about that in South Carolina this week. Mm-hmm. Was with a, a yeah. young girl. It was really awful. It's, I mean, I'm not much of a outside person to begin with. But like, good God, I'm never going in water again unless it's pumped full of more chlorine than water. <laughs> <laughs> it just comes out all green and sizzling. If, if your hair doesn't fall out when you climb out, you didn't have enough in there. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, uh, shout-outs for me. So, uh, okay, two of them. One from, from shout to Zell for sending uh, Bait and Me this really sweet oh, 514 fuck, yeah. uh, mug. Yeah. Uh, it's a do- design I did, but it's the one that Zell has talked about um, in the past. He got as a mug, and he sent uh, Bait and Me uh, a, 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 a mug with the uh, the Dust 514 print on it. It's it's pretty slick. It's uh, available only to hosts from the previous year. Sorry, guys, you can't get one. Um, but it is pretty cool. I, I posted up my Twitter if you want to see what it looks like. It's uh, and, very and cool. so I, I that, do man. have one for Jay as well, to be clear. Oh, that's that's good. That's good. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, he totally deserves one. Poor Jay, he's gone for three weeks and everybody forgets about him. Uh, yeah, rest in peace, right? No. Uh, Jay, Jay, Jay will be back at, at some point, uh, and we'll we'll definitely get his mug sent to him. Yes. Uh, but yes, thanks as all for that. Also, shout out to uh, I just saw this on Facebook um, of all places, uh, Brady Ellison, who basically um, is Leonardo DiCaprio at the Olympics with a bow. Uh, he looks just like him from The Revenants. Uh, it's kind of freaky how similar they are, but yeah, just go look at the picture. It's it's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, so Brady Ellison, he's a U.S. archery uh, um, competitor this year at the Olympics. Uh, but yeah, I just want to thank everyone for uh, joining us either on iTunes or download the website or listening to us streaming. Um, we've been having some issues with the stream. Our mirror has kind of been going down. I have to replace it with a different one. Uh, but Twitch should be good. And uh, the uh, Shoutcast is also available uh, through the biomass.net website. Uh, if you want to reach us either to get us uh, get on the show or have us talk about something so we can ramble about something that you actually care about, uh, you can hit any of us up on Twitter at Pokey Draven, at OCD Trekkie, or at Bryce underscore G71. You can also email us at pokey.draven at gmail.com or Soraya at biomass, biomass.net. And if you want to get a hold of Livy on Twitter, she is at underscore just Livy underscore. Uh, so yeah, if you, like I said, you have any suggestions for topics, uh, or you want to come on the show and just, you know, either sit around in silence or actually, uh, talk either, or we've, we've had both, um, let us know. We're more than happy to have you, uh, 
come on the show. So uh, without much further ado, I'm going to bring Biomass episode 117 to a close. And uh, thank you and have a good night.